My name is Matthew Wayne Selznick, and this is Sonatotum. Episode 24. So for the record books, it's uh, Wednesday, October 7th. 2020 at 11.40 a.m. as I record this from the lush and lavish studios of MWS Media somewhere in coastal Orange County, Southern California. It's not really a big secret. Uh, Huntington Beach is where the lush and lavish studios are currently located. Doing it from the home office today. The house is relatively quiet. There's some crows outside. There's some bird song outside. There'll probably be some construction work outside at some point, because why wouldn't there be? But uh, for now, I'm going to get this episode out. A few things on my mind, a few updates. The first thing is that I've started working on the perfumed air at Quanantog Bay, the new Shaper's World story, probably novella that uh, I've been talking about. So that's rolling. Trying something a little different for this. Uh, I uh, felt a little, I hate to say blocked because I don't really believe in blocks, but I felt a little resistance to beginning partially because I was, you know, the mindset was always a little weird when I'd start because I'd been Usually before sitting down to even think about writing, I tend to be driving to a park and looking for a place to sit down, waiting for the laptop to boot up and all that bullshit. And my head just wasn't in this place that that I needed to be in for what I think is going to be. Well, I described it elsewhere as uh, more of a, a gentle kind of tender story. And (laughs) I don't know about you, but it's hard to get into that mindset when you're feeling frustrated and stifled and constrained creatively and other ways. And so I've tried something different, something I haven't really done or attempted to do probably since the early 90s is dug out one of my old graph paper lined composition books that was blank. Um, I don't have too many of those left that are blank, but I found one that was blank. And I uh, I started working on the draft in handwriting, printing it. I'm not going to say longhand or cursive. Uh, I'm printing block letters, you know, because that's just going to be easier to decipher, frankly, when it comes time to convert it to actual typewritten manuscript. I started working on it printing by hand uh, on paper with a pen. I've had two sessions so far, not long. And both times it's been in the hour or so before I fall asleep. And I'm not sure that's always going to work. In fact, it's been a few days, so clearly that's not always going to work. But I liked those first two sessions, because here's here's something about our brains and how our minds fuck with us. You tend to be more 
creatively free and loose. And I'll, I'll find some science for this and put some links in the show notes at mattselznick.com or sonatotem.com. You tend to be a little more creatively loose and flexible and uninhibited when your brain is tired, when your body is tired. Because you just, you don't have, I'm going to make an educated guess here, which maybe will be backed up by the science that I find to link to. Maybe it won't. But you don't have the, the literal energy to put up the defenses that your brain ordinarily uses to try to, to protect you from itself, to protect you from you. So challenging or unusual thoughts are not self-censored. And, you know, if you think about it, this, this makes sense because when we're tired, we tend to be a little less under control. We tend to be a little more emotional. We tend to be, well, a little, a little faster to react, right? Because those gates are swinging open because you're too tired to keep them locked. And by the way, this is the same reason that folks like, oh, I don't know, um, Julia Cameron recommend writing, printing on paper in the early morning when you first wake up, maybe even before you've had your coffee. You know, the famous morning pages, because you don't have that self-censoring. You're not fully there. You're not fully attuned in terms of all the defense mechanisms that we put up just to you know, get through the day. So there's something to be said for this handwriting thing and something to be said for, for doing the writing right before bed. I like routines, <laughs> kind of need them to feel mentally healthy. And uh, this is one that for a couple of days, at least, I, I, I was able to maintain. Like I said, it's been a few days since that. I actually took the notebook to a park one day to try and do the same thing there. But I tell you what, man, going through the whole rigmarole of, of just finding a place to roost, it's not conducive. <laughs> so that's what I'm trying. And uh, I'd be curious to hear if the writers out there listening to this, if you have tried doing printed first drafts, longhand, we'll call it longhand, first drafts, handwritten first drafts. That's the phrase I was looking for. <laughs> and how that worked for you, especially the kind of fiction prose that you found yourself creating, as opposed to when you type. The other thing, I have a rough outline for this story. I essentially know what's going to happen, but I haven't broken it down beat by beat by beat this time, which is usually my rule for short stories. I usually write a short story and then I will break it down after the fact in the editing phase and adjust accordingly. Novels, as I've probably mentioned in the past, it's always outline first and then break through it scene by scene by scene by scene. But while I have a sort of a rough synopsis with some important emotional beats that I know I need to hit with the perfumed air at Quan and Tag Bay. This first two sessions that I did, I did not have that synopsis in front of me. I'm going to need to next time, I think. So note to self to print that out and kind of just fold it up and keep it in the folder. Anyway, that's going on. 
The other thing, two things really, and they're, they're related, and it's not a new subject for listeners of Sonatotum. As you know, Bob, in my day job, I am a creative services provider. I help other creators bring their works to fruition and to market and to an audience. And I was in talks with a Native American storyteller named Grant Bulltail. We had a couple of phone conversations. He's a, a National Endowment of the Arts Heritage Fellow, which is sort of the highest honor that the United States government bestows upon practitioners of traditional arts, whatever those may be. Uh, in Grant's case, it was storytelling. So he's he is a nationally and I don't know, maybe world known, worldwide renowned oral tradition storyteller dedicated to preserving and sharing the stories of the Crow people. But he also wrote a novel, his own story, in the sense that, you know, certainly the Crow, the stories of the Crow people are his own stories. But this was, you know, from his imagination, from his experience, his own story. And we had uh, agreed that I would do a final little edit for him, and then I would produce and design the ebooks and paperbacks and help him get those out on uh, Amazon and the other other uh, markets. He was 80, I believe, 85 years old. And yeah, you've picked up the fact that I keep referring to him in the past tense. A few weeks back, I sent him the contract and he was taking care of some other stuff. And then he was going to get that signed and get the start of work payment over to me. And we were going to go, go, go on this. I got word on October 2nd that Grant had passed away on October 1st because of uh, the coronavirus. So, yeah. Not only is this, of course, a bona fide tragedy for the Crow people, losing one of, if not the last of their traditional storytellers, but the thing that gets me is what's going to happen to that product of his truly personal, individual, unique voice, his novel. It may never see the light of day. I don't know. I mean, it's, it's only been a week. His relatives and loved ones are, I'm sure, still dealing with their grief and all of the arrangements and complications and just business that has to happen when somebody dies. Maybe they'll remember that, frankly, this was kind of his last wish. As he described it to me, you know, he, he wanted to get the novel out there because he knew that he was not a young man by any stretch. and. I don't know. I don't care if it's me who gets to work on it or somebody else, but I, I hope that somehow that particular part of his legacy is honored and maintained. 
and that actually ties has resonance uh, with something a client of mine was going through. This is a person who I had done a developmental edit on their book some years back, and they contacted me recently to finally bring that book out into the world to do the uh, ebook production on it and uh, get it out there. And so they started to send me materials and we talked about a website and blah, blah, blah. And we had the contract going and I got the start of work payment and I got going on it. And about a week later, they emailed me saying, you know what? Looking at the, the development of my characters in this work and seeing how my characters progress and evolve and advance. Uh, of course, I'm paraphrasing my client here. They basically said, I realized how dissatisfied I am with, with all those things in my own life and should probably work on that before I worry about this book. So keep the start of work payment and thank you very much. And let's just forget about it. I could hear in the tone of my client's email some very familiar signals being sent. Because I, I've felt exactly the same. I've had instances where I will finish a work of fiction and sometime later realize, oh, that's what that's about. That's what I was trying to tell myself. That's what I was exploring or trying to face when I was writing that. That's the particular mirror I was gazing into <laughs> during that project. Now, my client made the realization, well, I mean, I was going to say faster, but they've been done with the book for years. It's just that they recently revisited it to do a final, like, polish before sending it over to me. So, you know, yeah, it took them a while to see that their characters were doing the very things that they actually wished they were doing psychologically uh, in terms of emotional growth or what have you. And that can be jarring. So I wrote the client back and said, listen, man, you know, I kind of related what I just said to you, uh, that if we're doing it right, and yeah, I'm going to use the word right, then the act of fiction writing should be emotionally and psychologically and mentally and even physically challenging. It should push us. It should force us to face things we wouldn't necessarily otherwise face. I've touched on this before. I've touched on this in previous episodes. I'll try to track them down, put them in the show notes. I addressed some of this when I talked about creating characters in the first part of the Ask Me Anything two-parter, episode 22. Writing fiction should be difficult. In the same way that running a marathon is difficult or training for the marathon is difficult or exercising or having a difficult conversation or any of that stuff. It should push you into places that you're not comfortable being and get you out of those places again stronger. There's no growth without resistance. 
And fiction writing, again, should be a kind of, I don't know, therapy, we could say. I don't think that's too soft. <laughs> so essentially, I emailed them and I, I, I laid that out. I'm like, look, man, I totally get it. I, I, I feel you. I have been there. But not only insert all that stuff about fiction being therapy, and if you're doing it right, you're doing the work, and you're going to benefit from it, no matter how painful it might be in the process. I put all that in there for them, but I also reminded them that the experience of those characters, that very character growth that's so uncomfortable to face because the client wasn't seeing it in their own life, that's exactly the kind of thing that's going to resonate with readers. So that is the very special, individual, unique gift that that particular writer has with that particular work for the world. Nobody else is going to be able to write that kind of story in that way and convey those particular lessons, if you will, than that author with that work. And the thing is, we don't know who might benefit from that singular, unique experience until the work is out in the world and, and available for other people to experience. That's part of the artist's responsibility. That's part of what makes art art. That's why it's so mm, tragic that maybe the world won't get to experience Grant Bulltail's novel. I talked about P.G. Holyfield in the last episode. We'll, we'll never see any more work, finished or unfinished, from him. The day before, 6th of October, Eddie Van Halen, who, who was not just a, a pop heavy metal guitar player in a, in a band, but an inventor and a patent holder and an innovator and a creative force. He died at 65 after a long fight with throat cancer. Now, he filled his life with giving of his art. And obviously, thousands, millions, tens of millions of people have been inspired and influenced by his body of work. But what was he working on? You know, what was he working on on uh, September 6th, 2020? What was he putting off? What was somebody like Eddie Van Halen, even Eddie Van Halen, too reticent or scared to pursue or risk. We'll never know, probably. And that's what's been on my mind with the death of Grant, with my client's retreat. Oh, I should close up that loop, right? The, happily, the client, after about a week and a couple more emails back and forth, decided to continue. 
and to get the book out there. So we are continuing to work on that. And, you know, what better way to face the fact that you're not entirely satisfied with where you are in your life? What better way than to to finish a project that you've been dealing with for, in this case, I want to say five or six years? Face it. Do it. What's next? So that's been on my mind, like I said. And it's made me think about the <laughs> the um, validity of declared five-year or 10-year or whatever you want to say plans. I've been thinking I need to um, block out a plan for my creative output with a deadline of, let's say, turning 60. So that's a... Uh, six and a half year plan <laughs> there's um five more novels in the shapers world cycle to write so six years sounds about right yeah so i'm going to be doing that i'm going to be plotting that out and using it as kind of a, a lodestone to figure out what kind of life do I need to build to make that possible? What are the circumstances of my yeah, environment, of my surroundings, of my social and economic circumstances that best situate me to be able to make that happen? And, and what's actually involved? I mean, you know, breaking it down by quarter or by month or something like that to really kind of push through it. So look for that. That's something I'll be posting probably as a uh, Scribtotum article over at mattselznick.com. I'll also share it with my Patreon supporters at patreon.com slash mattselznick. And in the mailing list, which if you're not already subscribed to the mailing list if you're not already part of the community of friends and fans go to mattselznick.com and there's a link in the menu at the top of the page to join the community it's free of course and if you haven't already read it i'll send you my first novel brave men run in ebook formats as a thank you gift when you sign up So here's your call to action for this episode. Here's your feedback prompt for this episode. What are you working on right now creatively? Or perhaps more appropriately, what are you not working on right now creatively because you started or you've been thinking about it, but it scares you because of what you might discover about yourself? What is your subconscious protecting you from that's keeping you from, from working on something scary? Think about that and be brave, be vulnerable, be transparent, and tell me about it. You can send me an email at matt at mattselznick.com. 
matt at m-a-t-t-s-e-l-z-n-i-c-k dot com. You can record a voice message on your phone or on your computer or what have you and email it to that same email address, matt at mattselznick.com. Of course, you can leave a comment in the show notes for this episode, episode 24 of Sonatotum, which you can find on the podcast page at mattselznick.com or just go to sonatotum.com. Think about what scares you about a creative work that you're either not starting or having a lot of trouble moving through. Tell me about it. Tell me maybe what you're doing about it. If you enjoy Sonatotum, if you find benefit in my reflections and ramblings and monologuing on building a successful creative life as we define it and staying mentally and physically healthy at the same time, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. If you go to sonatotum.com or mattselznick.com and click on the podcast button, you will see a whole range of podcast platforms that you can subscribe to the show on, or you can just uh, search your podcast app for Sonatotum. I'm everywhere by now, including Amazon, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, my favorite podcast addict. Subscribe. That way you will automatically get new shows as they come out. Getting a little more consistent with these. It's looking to be about every 10 days or so between episodes. You can also receive the show notes and a link to the episode through email. You can find the link to do that. Same place, sonatotum.com or mattselznick.com on the podcast page. Also, if you wouldn't mind, you know the drill by now, rate and review Sonatotum wherever you get your podcasts, but especially at Apple Podcasts. For some reason, still, Apple Podcasts is the dominant or perceived dominant podcasting platform. Doesn't make sense to me because... uh, Most people don't have Apple devices, but whatever. (laughs) It matters, okay? (laughs) It matters. Uh, Ratings and reviews at Apple Podcasts and anywhere you consume podcasts. Ratings and reviews help the show go up in the rankings and make it more visible in search results when people look for things like journal podcasts or podcasts about creativity or podcasts about writing and so on. So take a few minutes and review the show if you would. Thank you very much for that. There's actually a link to review the show at a few different platforms right there at, you guessed it, sonatotum.com or mattselznick.com on the podcast page. All right. In and out. I want to talk a little bit about the world building that I've been doing and the uh, rabbit holes that I've been going down quite joyfully in uh, doing world building for the Shapers world and why and how it ties into that plan 
that I talked about earlier in the episode? Maybe that'll be next episode. You know what you should do is subscribe so you you get that episode as soon as it comes out. (laughs) All right. (laughs) My name is Matthew Wayne Selznick. Take care.